This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Oh, but change is afoot with your football team in Foxborough, ladies and gentle fans. We've got coaches coming. We've got players going. Tag, you're it. Or will the Patriots actually hold on to one of their players via the franchise tag? There's a dynastic docu-series that's got the buzz of the nation and not just Patriots Nation. The draft is quickly approaching. Could there be trades? Oh, my gosh. So much to discuss on the latest Six Rings of Football things. Back to you, as always, by WEI Odyssey and 2400 Sports and sponsored proudly by the FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel, make every moment more. Sign up today, fanduel.com slash six rings and i bet you are going to find this to be one informative and action-packed podcast with your old pals nick fitzy stevens and andy jumbo heart produces always by the fabulous justin turpin heart with everything that's going on right now as we as we head into the coaching announcements the veteran departures the franchise tag date and more uh i think it'll be fun to start the pod off kind of like the way we do on the weekends when i ask you usually who won the week I'm going to ask you, pick a single adjective to describe the state of Patriots Nation right now. Ooh, I like this. Um, it could even just be a word. Yeah, no, I'm I, I, I'm going to force this. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm okay, that's, that's my approach to most everything, so I'm comfortable already. Hopeful. Interesting. I'm going to, because I don't necessarily personally believe it. But I think as Gerard Mayo announces his staff and as they begin to make decisions, they are starting the process that they believe will hopefully lead to improvement and growth. Obviously, we're going to talk about some transactions. It looks like they're getting younger as a football team in totality. We're going to talk about a coaching staff that there's new faces, new ideas, new nepotism, new whatever you want to call it in various areas. Oh, my gosh. Um, but in theory, again, I don't know if you believe it. I believe it. Joe Q fan believes it. They've begun the hopeful process of the post-Belichick Patriots. Yeah, I was going to go. My my two choices were familial uh, because it's a as they continue to, uh, as you said, there's a little nepotism. Ahoy. Uh, nepotistic probably wouldn't have totally applied, but there's a lot of familiarity, both in terms of nepotism and names and legacy football personalities brought onto the new staff. Uh, and I was also going to maybe go with evolving. Uh, this is an evolving process for the New England Patriots right now. Uh, there's so much turnover. I think it's going to take 
days, weeks, months even for people to find their offices, get their nameplates established, figure out what their roles are for us to come to learn who they are, where they came from, what their new jobs are. And that's just the people making the decisions, let alone the players that are going to be coming because obviously turnover is at hand. And when there's change at the top, like with a new head coach and a new front office, there's likely going to be change as well on the roster, the sidelines, and the locker room as we saw this week as well. But first, let's help the people get to know their new coaching staff before we talk about whether they're going to hold on to some of their players and at what value and who they've already decided to cast off to the side. Let's quickly get to know some of these new coaches. As on Monday, Andy, the New England Patriots made their coaching staff addition announcements. And holy macaroni, are there a lot of them. Um, right here, reading from the press release at Patriots.com, uh, we know, obviously, Alex Van Pelt's your offensive coordinator. Jeremy Springer is your special teams coordinator. And Demarcus Covington is your defensive coordinator. As of Monday, people, listen, to get ready for this. 17 additions to Mayo's staff were announced. They included offensive coaches joining Van Pelt were Bob Bicknell as tight ends coach. Taylor Embry is your new running backs coach. Never heard of him. Tyler Hughes is your wide receivers coach. I'm going to have to lean on you for a lot of these guys. Robert Kugler. Sounds like he may have played Freddie. Uh, could be like a serial. Who knows? That's a uh, off. I like, I don't know. Like <laughs> he's an offensive assistant, offensive line coach. Ben McAdoo. We've heard about previously senior offensive assistant. Michael McCarthy, offensive coaching assistant, quality control. T.C. McCartney is officially your quarterback's coach. Scott Peters, who we'd mentioned before, was the former assistant offensive line coach with the Browns. Now he's in charge of the OL. Tyquan Underwood, high top fades for all. He's the assistant wide receivers coach who's going to be the wide receivers coach. We'll get to that in a second. Uh, uh, oh, actually, no, we just got to that. It's Tyler Hughes, uh, who we'd previously not heard of. Defensively, <laughs> Vinny De Palma is your defensive coaching assistant quality control. Uh, Zeus Hightower, he's inside linebackers. Jamail Lett is your defensive coaching assistant. Jerry Montgomery, D-line. Drew Wilkins, outside linebackers. And then joining Springer on special teams, Tom Quinn, special teams assistant. Kobe Tippett, special teams coaching assistant. And then in addition, Brian McDonough was hired as the assistant strength and conditioning coach. And I do believe there is a... A Mayo also joining the staff, Andy, as another strength and conditioning coach. Well, he's been the assistant, actually. And so he's, oh, he has. he's elevating okay. to the head strength and conditioning coach. So, um, okay, very good. That's a, that's a lot of names right there. Oh, and also Doug Kide told us on Monday, Troy Brown will remain with the team in some capacity. And wherefore art thou Brian Belichick, who we had heard was not going to Washington with his brother, but rather sticking around. My God, if everyone needs to like, get up and like stretch their back or, you know, grab a snack after all of that. That's a lot to process, Andy. Uh, your first thoughts on the coaching changes and announcements. Um, so people are going to make a lot or much ado about like the numbers. Oh, there's a lot of these guys. Uh, Belichick had a small staff and now Mayo, <laughs> he's got a big staff. If you know what I'm saying? No, like <laughs> I'm just saying, um, it's what we don't, do don't think that that joke didn't run through my mind last night when I read this too. It's what we do here. We make stupid jokes during oh, this stuff. This is, um, are we not so, people? Of course. Right. And this is both meaningful and meaningless. Like every team has coaches. Like you're going to have names. Some, when you change coaches, head coaches, you're going to have new names you've never heard of. Some you're going to have heard of. Hey, is that so-and-so's son? Yes. That's Jack Bicknell's son from your memory mm -hmm. of Boston college. Like there's going to be some, Hey, did that guy play for the Patriots? Yes, he did. And he's got great hair. Well, they both do actually high tower mm -hmm. and, um, Taekwon Underwood both have great hair. 
Um, Hughes is a guy, Tyler Hughes, the wide receivers coach, which yes, that says, Hey, Troy, you ain't got to go home, but you can't coach right here anymore. Push yeah. to the side. Um, he was formerly with the Patriots in a low level role a couple of years ago. Um, so there's some carryover. There's some, as you said, nepotism, Durant. Deron Mayo's brother, I mean, Gerard Mayo's brother, Deron Mayo, gets bumped up. Not a surprise. Miguel Cabrera was certainly a Belichick guy. Moses Basically, Cabrera, right? Uh, Moses Cabrero. Um, I was going to say, did worked, we get if Miguel Cabrera nope. retired from Detroit and came to us? <laughs> I'd take that. Um, <laughs> that's the closest thing the Red Sox would get to doing something interesting this offseason. Oh, uh, he's not so, wrong, folks. Cabrera was definitely a Bill guy, um, right. both in right. professional role, but also he was his personal trainer. He worked Bill out every single day for an hour. They would do boxing and various things like they were tight. So, oh, no kidding. Oh, wow. Because, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, when you're watching the dynasty, there's a lot of footage of like Belichick doing his, uh, you know, grease penciling game plans and watching film on the treadmill. I, I think a lot of us knew that Bill would do a lot of work on the Even yep. Trent Brown used to talk about like if you had, if you wanted to talk to coach, the best time was hit him up on the treadmill because he was there early in the morning. Absolutely. And Moses oversaw all his workouts. And I think he trusted Moses. I actually think this is a side topic here, but I think there was some of the issues with um, Guerrero that were sort of tied to Belichick was so tight with Moses Cabrera. Moses Cabrera had a little bit more of an old school, I think, squatting program. And I think that led to some of that clashing that was part of the breakup of the dynasty and the demise of everything, whatever. Yep. Um, but like Kobe Tippett, yeah, he's Andre Tippett's kid. He's been at Tufts. He's a Zavarian kid. He played at URI, really good football player, tried out with the Patriots. Was that last summer he got a tryout with the Patriots? He's a young guy. Mm -hmm. Um, Either last camp or the camp before. I think it was last spring he got a tryout with the Patriots. Um, You know, I, I don't really – nepotism has never bothered me. It bothered me that people freaked out because Bill did it. Everybody does it. Every coaching staff in the league has nepotism. Mm -hmm. Every team in the league, every franchise. And by the way, if there weren't nepotism, we wouldn't have, A, the Patriots wouldn't have a director of player personnel and a G, whoever those guys are. You know, you know those names? Elliot Wolf. Ever heard of Ron Wolf? Matt Grow. Ever heard of Al Grow? Um, I don't know. Kyle Shanahan. Did you watch the Super Bowl? Ever heard of Mike Shanahan? Uh, everybody wanted a Sean McVay disciple. Ever hear of eh, whatever the hell his grandfather's name was? That I'm sure his grandfather was some. <laughs> he was. No, he was. He he ran the yeah. Bucks. So like nepotism produces great talent. Hell, Bill Belichick got his first coaching job because his dad put in a call. He wouldn't have gotten the job. He was looking at real. He didn't get a single response from like all the letters he sent out as just Joe Average. Dad made a phone call and it's fine. It's the way the world works. Holy Ever hear of the presidents? George Bush might have heard of him, had a son. Like How about John, uh, John Quincy Adam? I was just thinking I was going along. local as well. Right. Uh, and, and thank you for forcing me to Google something during the midst of your uh, well thought out and highly articulated nepotistic diatribe. John McVay, grandfather of Sean McVay, was the head football coach Correct. at the University of Dayton from 65 to 72, head coach of the Giants later in the 70s, and most importantly, GM of the San Francisco 49ers for the team's five Super Bowl championships. Damn. Hmm. How about that? So it's part of the sport. It's it's the it's in the threads of the sport historically. So I'm fine with it. Plus, a guy like Deron Mayo, he was here with Gerard. He was here with Bill. It's not like he just got hired out of nowhere and he's never picked up a weight before. He's been here. Right. All Hence along. my use of the word familial at the start of the podcast. Like, like again, like whether Andy, it is the Patriots building a high floor organization with people like Elliot Wolf and Alex Van Pelt, Ben McAdoo, who have been there, done that before. Alonzo Highsmith stepping in 
in an as yet unnamed personnel department role. Uh, and now a lot of these coaches as well, whether it's from nepotism or experience as well, you're not going with a brand new unproven staff in, in, in many ways. You're going with a, a bunch of people that have been there and done it before. They're just going to think about it and do it differently than Bill Belichick has. And that's what makes things potentially exciting and also awkward for some that are loyal to the reign of Belichick. And anytime you can get a big, powerful Peters as your own O-line coach, you're great. That's two. We'll of be them. right back, ladies and gentlemen, here on say. <laughs> um, no, I'm trying to. There isn't a ton of excitement to this staff, if we're being honest. Like Dante Hightower, I think fans love the idea of him coaching. Just um, enough fan service to excite the nation. I I do appreciate that. Yes, but on the whole, are you getting excited about Tyler Hughes or or Scott Peters or even I've you know Alex Van Pelt doesn't really excite me. Ben McAdoo might be the most proven and experienced and successful in the crew. And a lot of people kind of have negative feelings on him for the way it ended with the giants. So it's not the most exciting staff, but who cares? We'll find out, you know, if they, right. if they draft the right quarterback third overall, this staff gets remarkably better immediately. If they take mm -hmm. CJ Stroud, every one of these coaches looks like a better coach. Now, if they take Mitchell Trubisky, every one of these coaches looks like a worse football coach. Like that's the way it works. It's a talent driven league. If they have a great tag and free agency period and start laying the foundation and infrastructure for a new, younger, tough, faster, stronger football team, then people are going to say, yeah, these guys hit the ground run and they did their homework. If they crap the bed and sign a bunch of people that spend half the season on IR or is it or, or are as ineffective as half of the players were in the uncharacteristically aggressive spending spree of 2021, then people are going to say, ah, you should have just left Belichick and company in place in the first spot. So, and just to, it does seem, and it has been reported that uh, Brian Belichick, Mike Pellegrino and Troy Brown will be back. I'm assuming in the back end of the defense, you'll have Pellegrino and Brian Belichick and Troy Brown, maybe as the returners coach or something also wouldn't stun me if maybe he had a role in like, football ops could he be like player development in that world you know those are some of the options maybe um or player development slash returns coach returners mm -hmm. coach something like that mm -hmm. um i think a lot it, a lot of fans were soured on him based on the production and development or failure to develop of a lot of the young receivers or even the veteran receivers in recent years and it's weird because he's a beloved figure of mm -hmm. the dynasty and of the the whole organization it didn't seem like it totally worked with him as the wide receivers coach to just sort of put it, I don't know, softly, gently. I know. In the yesterday when the Patriots made this official on Instagram, I just always like to quickly just comb through the comments to see what the uh, the fans are are talking about. And there were a lot of "Where's Troy Brown? Where's Troy Brown?" And then there were the replies to that would be like, "He's a legend, but he kind of sucked as a wide receivers coach." And like, we don't know. It could have just been sucked, the talent. Maybe his sausage sucked. Yes, I see. That's what I think. Like the ingredients he was cooking with. I can't imagine Troy Brown can't figure out how to tell you how to play the wide receiver position, considering where he came from and what he did over the course of his career. But uh, that's one of the positions we hope to see turnover aplenty via free agency as well as the draft. Um, yeah, I'm look, I don't know who a lot of these coaches are. Yes, I, some of the names ring a bell like you like you previously mentioned. I can go back and find out who Tyler Hughes is thanks to the magic of the Google machine and search engines, and I might get excited about it. Or at least, if nothing else, I'll feel comfortable about the fact that they have a bunch of competent people that have done these jobs before, some of them getting slight elevations, pay raises, um, and positional bumps. Okay, 
Um, it's not going to be an unmitigated disaster. And quite frankly, some of the positions like wide receivers where people underperformed quarterback room, which was an, a dysfunctional mess and underperformed wildly special teams. I mean, can it get much worse? No, no, it really can't. No. And, and I hate to be flippant, but it's the world they live in. And we live in like, these are people losing jobs or moving on. Mm -hmm. Cause I'm not, I haven't heard a lot about like where cam Accord is going to end up or, or some of these people. And I don't, I don't take that lightly. Like they have families. They have, mm -hmm. they also were making really good money as NFL coaches. And if they're smart, they've made enough connections. They're going to, they're going to land on their feet somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. They're going to have opportunities. I don't think they're going to be in the unemployment line. So, but I, I, I never take it lightly that somebody with a couple of kids and a wife and a house and a mortgage and a car payments and those types of things is, is looking for work, but it's a reality. You know, you hear all these coaches talk about, you get hired to be fired basically it's just Correct. how long how long is the gap in between those two things and some of these guys here bill belichick others you know it was a really long time some others oh well, you join the staff a little late uh adrian clem or you know billy yates and some of these guys I, yeah that's what it is so bill o'brien moves on he takes will um long uh, yep to, uh, who was the tight ends coach last year to be his offensive coordinator yep. at boston college and now we get accepted now i think everybody regionally is going to be infinitesimally more excited about Boston College or at least has the potential to be much more excited and BC should improve within two years time for sure maybe even one thanks to the magic of the transfer portal um some of those guys like like you said Clem Yates oh boy that was a rough tenure and we'll see where they go you wish them all the best Vinny Sinceri Steve Belichick they make their way to the University of Washington so yeah it's not easy because people have kids in school and they have friends in the neighborhood and now all of a sudden they have to get uprooted and figure out what to do about the condo and does dad move while mom and the kids finish school then they rejoin him uh come summertime it's 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 a whole it's a whole boondoggle but when we're just if we just focus on the team at hand I, I i'm excited about the fact that we do have a lot more coaches right now now you may say like that's going to be one busy kitchen guys like we saw a pretty successful operation with fewer cooks in the kitchen but then we also saw andy an operation where too many people took on the roles of others and should have delegated more, or at least so we felt in the waning years of the Belichick tenure here with the Patriots. Now you've got many other guys and they have very specific jobs. And if everyone, if we're going to stick with the old mantra of do your job, then a bunch of people should just focus on their individual specific, get a lot of assistant and quality control, special teams, offensive and defensive coaches here. It should be a functional operation. And it seems like Gerard Mayo, who continues to profess himself a big family guy, and I, it seems to me like he's a big family guy, a bunch of kids, had mom and the step stepdad who he loves to pieces at the Thunder Buddies intro. Um, he's setting up a big coaching family right here. I'm looking forward to getting to know them. I'm looking forward to seeing what they do. And I'm also looking forward to seeing what kind of football team they build uh, Pat's people. Any thoughts on the coaching changes? Some of the new coaches brought in. Who are you sad to see go? Uh, who are you happiest about? You can always hit us up. He's at Jumbo Hart. I'm at Fitzy GFY. And of course, this is your favorite Patriots podcast at Six Rings Pod. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, Andy, as we move on here on the Six Rings pod, 
we have to unfortunately bid farewell and leave some flowers um, for some of the players that are already departing uh, who have been given their free release and or announced that they're just no longer going to be playing football anymore. Uh, on Monday, we learned three members of the 2023 Patriots who had been some of whom had been with the team for close to a decade. One of whom is actually one of the, the final champion championship holdovers. Um, James Ferentz announced his retirement, a utilitarian uh, swing guard center for the last several years, of course, uh, son of Kirk Ferentz, uh, uh, one of the true fobs in the collegiate coaching ranks. And then there was the announcement of the release of Adrian Phillips safety, who had played with the Patriots for four years coming off of a very successful six year run with the chargers and Lawrence guy, Adrian Phillips had seen his playing time diminish significantly last year. He went from starting every game and every game to most of the games to only one game last year. Uh, they're obviously getting much younger at safety. We're wondering if they're going to hold on to Kyle Duggar. Um, Safety is a position they're obviously going to address in either free agency or the draft because they just let a 10-year veteran go. And Lawrence Guy, I mean, that's a – I mean, he's – we've had the pleasure of interviewing him on WEEI before. What a great guy. Smart, funny, uh, loves him, some pop culture. But, like, he played everywhere on the defensive line. I think he played in, uh, like, hundred and 110 games for the Patriots, started 103 of them. Uh, team captain, Super Bowl champ, played in two Super Bowls for the Patriots, won one in, in Super Bowl 53. Like, that's one of your rocks. That's one of your pillars of the, the tail end of the Belichick tenure. But it seemed like it was time for him to move on as the Patriots continue. Uh, defensive line's obviously a strength, but they're looking to get younger. So, um, yeah, tough to see him go, but that's just the nature of the beast, huh? Yeah, my first two reactions to this. First of all, I believe Lawrence Guy, even though he's a member of the all 2010s team um, for his contributions late in that decade, I think he's arguably the most underrated player on the second part of the dynasty. Um, I thought there were a couple years there where you could make a case he was their best defensive player, most important defensive player, also mm -hmm. brought leadership. Um, and I don't know that his name just sort of rolls off the tongue, even of Patriot fans, even of hardcores, I think he's sort of uh, unfortunately forgotten more than he should be. I thought he was great as a revelation, too. When he arrived, I didn't know much about him. You kind of read his bio, look at his background with the Ravens and the Packers. And you're like, ah, okay. And then a couple of years later, I'm thinking, you can't play defense without this guy. Like, this guy yeah. is one of the most important 11 guys on the field. Um, and then my secondary thing is both him, Adrian Phillips, even to a lesser degree, um, James Ferentz, like, who are the leaders going to be on this team? Where is leadership coming from? Jawan Bentley is back as a leader in the middle of the defense. In the middle of the offense, I'm assuming David Andrews will be back as a leader. Um, but you've lost between Devin McCourty and then you lose Matthew Slater, uh, I'm mm. assuming. Um, now you lose Adrian Phillips and Lawrence Guy. You have either captains or basically captains that are moving on. And I know you got to get younger. It's a young man's game. We know that. And leadership has to be a fluid situation. It has to refill itself. But some of that, I don't know where it's going to, you know, for example, you have a void at the quarterback position. A couple of years ago, we probably would have thought, well, Mac Jones will be one of the centerpiece leaders of this franchise. Well, Mac Jones probably not going to be part of this franchise moving forward. You don't have that. Um, and I just, I kind of look around the depth chart, even some of the great players, I'm not sure what type of leader, and this is not a shot, 
This is just a sort of observation from afar because I know players get pissy about this. I remember when Landon Roberts attacked me like six months later after I questioned him being a captain and didn't really. Oh, yeah. Wait, ho- hold on. Back. Oh, back that back oh, that yeah. ass up. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, he waited until they clinched uh, the playoff spot. I believe, okay, the seasons are all blending together. Whatever, like, his last year was here in December. 2019, back when he was playing full, uh, back when he was playing fullback because there was a need yeah. after Devlin got hurt, right? In December, when they clinched a playoff spot, he was like, hey, hey, you, hey, orange jacket. Because I had an orange jacket on, so. That's yeah, me, no, you know. it's like the um, orange visor doesn't surprise me, yeah. okay. You the guy who said you didn't think I was necessarily captain material back in August? And I was like, Wait, you just clinched a playoff spot, and the first thing you thought of is come at Andy Hart, whose name you don't even know, some random guy who said some random thing on either the radio or a podcast. That's your first um, reaction. Thanks for making my point that you might not exactly be a leader and a true captain. Um, so I, I, I wonder some of these, like Christian Barmore. I don't know that he's Lawrence guy. Love Christian Barmore. Very talented. Youthful energy. Work ethic seems to be good is he a, is he a staple leader and captain I don't know I mean he entered the NFL with questions about his commitment to Alabama and football and things back then so you know Christian Gonzalez is he a is he he's a future great player I believe but is he a future mainstay Devin McCourty type captain I, I don't know and I think they have a Demario Douglas is he going to be a leader in you know, Ramondre Stevenson, I don't think he wants to necessarily be a leader. And who knows? He's a running back on, a, you know, an expiring contract. He could be gone. So wh- where's where's the I'll leadership you, coming from? I'll say it's going to come from guy like I, I again, looking at a social media quickly, just seeing like who makes a point of immediately saying something like on a Lawrence guy retirement po- or departure post as he says, thank you to Patriots Nation. Ramondre Stevenson first in Dietrich Wise. There's one. Ooh, there's one of the fellas I think yeah, yeah. is going to be. Yep. A post and pillar of the new Patriots. Does Wise have a Super Bowl ring? He's been here. This is year seven. So yeah, uh, is this six, uh, so 18, 19, 20, 20, 20, I think he does. Like so, you got yeah. like basically him and Andrews left uh, as people that won rings and know how it was done back in the days when winning was something that you kind of took for granted because the Patriots did it so often. And Andy, as you make mention of people like Matthew Slater, who we assumed was going to retire because he would be moving on. We thought this to be his farewell season. Just moments ago, as we record here on Tuesday morning, February 20th, 2024, Matthew Slater just moments ago, making it official uh, via social media that he is retiring. He put together a beautiful, long uh, farewell announcement um, that the Patriots have shared at Patriots Official on social media. Um, I'll just quickly read some of the highlights uh, to the Kraft family and the entire, let me see, hold on. Wow. There's a lot to this Pat's nation. It's been an honor to represent the silver, red, white, and blue for 16 years. Thank you for cheering, challenging, and supporting our team each and every year to the people of new England. Thank you for welcoming my family and me into your community and allowing us to call new England home. We are beyond humbled and blessed. You, the fans make an NFL players experience what it is. Thank you for supporting not only me, but our great game. Uh, he goes on to thank the Kraft family, Um, He thanks his mother and father, Annie and Jackie Slater. Of course, Jackie, uh, an NFL legend himself as well. Once again, Andy playing into the familial approach to the Patriots and nepotism as well. But he has obviously earned his own stripes over the course of that decade and a half plus. He thanks his wife, Shazad, 
Uh, side note, I've had the pleasure of actually getting to know her a little bit um, as she would often take in games uh, in the suite where I would watch with our friends, the former sponsors, Zudi, uh, she, uh, of the Patriots. She is maybe the nicest person. If you think Matthew Slater is the nicest person, it just makes complete sense. Um, what an incredible family they have put together. Um, he goes on to talk about how much football means to him. It's really beautiful. It's an emotional farewell. Um, he talks about his faith and then, um, how do I feel about being a Patriot for life? Oh yeah. May God bless you all. Sincerely, Matthew Slater, man. Whew, that's going to get right up in your Foxborough feels right there, Andy. You know, we have a little uh, side chat here, uh, text chain with producer Turpin as we mm -hmm. record the podcast. And I was glad um, when he he bumped in there, Slater officially retired. I was like, wait, did I miss that? When did that happen? And I'm glad. Yeah, I was now. I was about to ask you, like, Andy, okay. how much longer do we have to wait? He They timed this out perfectly. The new coaches come in before it's time to as they start now having to make way with players and letting guys like Phillips and guy go um, perfectly, perfectly timed a day where he can just like, no more changes will be announced by the Patriots. Matthew Slater, you get February 20th all to yourself. And I'm guessing they'll have a ceremony at some point at the hall or, or in the new, uh, whatever the hell that new thing is called. That's really cool at the end of the stadium. Um, they, that he, cause he's an all time great. I just retweeted it and said, leadership will never be the same in new England. He is a remarkable leader who you want to talk about Bill Belichick wore too many hats or, you know, too much on his plate at times. I thought they unfairly put too much on Matthew Slater's plate at times. And I don't believe he ever complained. And I don't ever believe he dropped the ball. And I, I don't make light of this, but you sign and then release Antonio Brown. Well, Matthew Slater, why don't you go out there and talk about it for the team? Or like one of your teammates allegedly murdered somebody. Hey, Matthew sure. Slater, why don't you go out there and talk about it? Like, there's a scandal. Hey, Slater, why don't you go out there and talk about it? Like, wait a minute. I came here to cover kicks. I came here to block for some punt returners. I didn't know I had to be the spokesman through some of the most difficult times of this organization, but he <laughs> did it and did it well. And I, I personally will always um, cherish seems over the top dorky, but whatever. The times no. when uh, Mutt and I interviewed him on Monday nights, mm -hmm. and you could ask him anything, and he would answer honestly. Not always totally over the top forthcoming because he's a great leader and wasn't going to throw anybody under the bus and wasn't going to adversely affect the team. But he not once did he ever say like, I can't believe you just asked that or even just give you a Belichick long pause and disrespectful answer. Matthew Slater answered every question ever asked to him with respect and as much honesty as he could as mm -hmm. a leader of a football team and a member of an organization. And that's going to be missed. We just talked about it. That's a void. Let's just say they hit some really crappy times this year. Who's talking other than Mayo? Who who are the guys? Because no disrespect, I don't know if Dietrich Wise, as you brought up, wants to do that. David Andrews will be. He'll be one of those put out there, and he'll be one of those that'll be leaned on. And, you know, he joked about it when he won the Media Good Guy Award that his wife criticizes him, doesn't think he's as good at it as he could be. And he's like, well, you know, I have bosses, and there are tones that are set within the organization, and I can't always say what I want to say. Um but this is, another, you know, talent is a question. Leadership and, and pillars is also a question for this team. And again, I know that's how it works in transitions. Like you're leaving a certain era. There's a new era coming. You know, guys got to step up. Next man up on the field. Next man up in terms of leadership. But as Bill Belichick would say, no one man is replacing Matthew Slater on the field or in terms of leadership. So that leaves a big void for this team. 
it would be impossible to think that any one person or any group of people could replace the personality, the leadership, uh, the faith, the effort, just everything that Matthew Slater brought. And, you know, I, I've only had the, I've had a chance to talk to him a couple times on the radio, had a chance to talk to him at a couple of charity events that the Joe Andrews of the world have run. And he's an absolute delight. There's no, it's no show. There's not like Matt, there's this Matthew Slater for the Patriots and in the locker room and for sound bites and at the podium. And then there's this Matt, like, no, 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 no. Nope. He gives you his all, his everything. He is a bright light in this world, let alone in the Patriots community and on this team. And yes, even though we all expected him to retire, now that it's official, it hits, it settles in. You won't see him wearing a uniform anymore. I don't know what role he'll have going forward. If he'll coach, I'm sure he's going to be in the area for years to come. He'll be highly active. He'll, he should be visible. Uh, I'm sure he'll be doing a lot of charity work, volunteering. Maybe there'll be some foundation work. Who knows? All I do know is it was a pleasure watching him. It was a pleasure. I mean, how lucky is the team to have had him for over a decade and a half? How lucky were we to be able to watch him, to talk to him, and to to learn from him and be impressed by him along the way? Um, yeah, this just opens up, and like again, opens up another. You, you some may say like that's another hole they have to fill. But in trying to stay Patriots positive, as we've talked about, you opened by saying hopeful is my word du jour describing these Patriots. This opens up another opportunity for somebody to take over as special teams captain, as a locker room leader, and as a North star on the Patriots emotionally and practically. Um, but yeah, let's, let's just make, you know, like make, make no bones about it. Like that's, that's a big loss. That's a hell of a career. Definitely going to be getting his red jacket. I think next stop Canton, he definitely should be a special teamer that makes it into the pro football hall of fame. And I'm sure the Kraft family, and especially whenever Bill Belichick issues some words about Matthew Slater, those should ring pretty heavily with the people in Canton, Ohio, one day to see if he can get a bronze bust and a yellow jacket. That's yeah, and and I don't know whether he actually deserves it or not. Um, I'm as big a fan as you could possibly have, but I know some people think Steve Tasker was really great, and they haven't really. He, put he those was guys pretty damn in. good too. He was pretty damn so, good. How that plays out, and I've had people on the committee tell me they're going to change some of the voting and maybe put in a guy like Slater and Tasker every three years as a separate type of um, candidate on the ballot. But I will say this. It, it, you, we always do this. Somebody dies. You talk about how good they are. They retire. You talk about how great they were. But all of it is true with Matthew Slater, more so than almost any player I've ever covered. And I would add to that. I think he seems so perfect with his glasses and he's well-spoken and his uh, commitment to his Christianity and his faith and God. And you're like, ah, that guy's probably phony. And no, no, no. And the best part is he wasn't holier than thou. You could also talk to him about normal stuff and not mm -hmm. get like over the top slapped around by the Bible or whatever. Like he clearly spreads the word of God. But my favorite, one of my favorite interactions with him was when I told him about Mac Jones. We were just shooting the poo. I don't even know how we crossed paths. We were just shooting the poo. And I said, thank you for doing the interviews. I said, it's not always easy. I said, well, look at your quarterback. I think he struggles in that area. I said, he comes off as scared douchey. He's always afraid to say anything. And Slater just starts cracking up going, <laughs> scared douchey. That's pretty good. I'm going to use that sometime. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. You're, Wait, you're not using that tied to my name. You're if Matthew you say, Slater. <laughs> first of all, yeah, you don't say douchey. Second of all, don't tell Bill that Andy Hart said our quarterback is scared douchey. You leave my name out of this. Um, but you could talk to him about normal things. He wasn't mm -hmm. like a, he's a person. And yeah, yeah. but he is a, he's a better person than you and I. He's a better Christian than you and I. He's a better okay, well, 
ever leader than you and I. He's a better <laughs> everything take, than you and take I. a lot there. But he doesn't, he didn't look down his nose upon you. And no. that's what I liked. And dude, also underrated, carved out of freaking granite at oh. the age of whatever the hell he is. Fit AF, yeah. Shredded with one of the great bubbles, if we're being honest, in the history of football and for the uninitiated. That means he has a big old powerful ass that was part of his successful athletic skill. Um mm -hmm. That they used to talk about in the scouting the trunk, ring. the core, the tree. Yeah, exactly. Oh my god! Oh, and there's a reason I people buy a Slater jersey. Is well. like you want to look like you're not sure which jersey to buy yet from last year's people. Who's going to be the new quarterback sure. draft picks? Rock a Matthew Slater jersey. That will literally never go out of style. That That's says true. that you care about like the the core, the foundation, the fundamentals. I'll never forget two things. One, like that, um, just like the joy on his face when he won his first Super Bowl, Super Bowl 49, because he came aboard the Patriots as a wide receiver who didn't wasn't a great kick returner and wide receiver, but ultimately found his role as a special teamer um, in 2008 as well. Um, that his him like dropped to his knee, like celebrating the exaltation, the joy on his face when he knew his first championship, just absolutely unforgettable on a night of unforgettable moments. And then the first time I met him, it was actually at the, I think they call it a feast for 45 where Pedro Martinez does a fun day, uh, a foundation fundraiser at Fenway park and all these chefs come in and you pay about a money and you w wander around and you try all these different bites of food. And Slater was there. And I said, Hey, Matthew Slater. And he turned and looked at me. And he goes, how come I know your face? And I said, I'm this knucklehead. I, I do a little work for the team, but I do these YouTube videos where I profess my love for the Patriots a little too much with four letter words. And he goes, I know you. He's like, yeah, I can't say those things, but we know who he is. he's like, you're that guy. Okay. And didn't judge me. And it wasn't like, Hey, I can't have anyone see me around the guy who drops F bombs on YouTube talking about how much he loves Gronk and Brady. And we chatted for five minutes and he was just a freaking delight. Also the only man there in a sea of people wearing socks, jerseys, untucked polos and ratty t-shirts, uh, you know, dressed like he just stepped off the set of a Brooks brothers shoot. Um, what a dude, what a guy, lucky us. Farewell, Matthew Slater. I am sure, as is Andy, as is all of Patriots Nation, you will crush retirement and the days to come with your family, friends, and the community the same way you did special teams and being a Patriot for 16 seasons. All right, last leg here on Six Rings and Football Things. We have talked about the new coaches. We've talked about veteran departures and, of course, paid our flowers and due deference to the retirement of Patriots legend Matthew Slater. Now let's clean everything else up in Isle Patriots with a little Pets Paris. We need production or some sort of official intro for that now. We've been doing the segment for so long. Pets Paris. All right, just record that, Turp. That'll be fine. That's what we got. Um, uh, yesterday, you know, as we anticipate the combine in Indianapolis coming up soon, I actually watched a little because it was a holiday and the kids were home and then uh, during a lazy lunchtime, I saw a caught the fourth quarter, fourth period, whatever you call it. And overtime of the Boston cannons winning the professional lacrosse league, uh, championship series. That was awesome. Uh, bringing another title back to Boston. Well done. Um, and then I also saw some of the HBCU combine on NFL network. First time I ever saw it. I never even heard of it before in complete ignorant profession. Um, that for those not in the know, that is the historically black colleges and universities combine um gotta say i saw some dudes out there yesterday who look like they have some sunday talent quarterbacks a lot of running backs who had like 1800 total yards 20 touchdowns um 
There are four that were written up on NFL Network. Just some names I want to throw out there. Uh, Florida A&M Rattlesnake quarterback Jeremy Musa. The dude looks like he can chuck it. North Carolina Central Eagles quarterback Davius Richard. North Carolina AT&T A&T Aggies receiver Taman Cook. And Winston-Salem State Rams wide receiver R.J. Mobley. Those were the four offensive impact players from the combine yesterday. Um, Andy, have you heard of any of those guys, seen anyone else from that as well? Um, and I can't think of any stars of the HBCU combine who one day became legacy Patriots or impactful players, but maybe you can course correct me on that. So I don't know any um, HBCU combine players, but there's been plenty of HBCU players in the NFL over the years. I do think um, the talent is getting spread out more over college football um, yep. and they're always going to find the athletes, whether it's division three, division two, um, or HBCU, they're going to find them. Um, and this is a way to promote those guys. I think Deion Sanders has brought some uh, attention to that area. Um, there's another former player who's coaching a, a, a HBCU school right now that I'm drawing a blank on, but they have definitely, um, trying to elevate the idea that, there's athletes there. There's athletes oh, yeah. that can absolutely fill out an NFL roster or at the very least deserve to be invited to a 90 man training camp and compete in the preseason and in that way. So I think you're going to see more and more handful sprinkling of guys um, from those areas. And it's sort of the classic, well, we can draft a backup or we can sign a backup from like Oklahoma or we can bring a guy who was a star at one of these HBCU schools. I might take a chance on the star. You know, we, Kyle Duggar, you know, he was at Division Two yep. in Lenore Rhine. Like these, the, these guys, and, and all the players always laugh about it. I remember McCordy always just say every time he talked about Duggar, like, I always ask him, like, you're one of the best all around athletes I've ever seen. How did you end up at Lenore Rhine, a D2 school? And like, but the same is true for the HBCU kids. So it, it's cool. And they're getting more and more opportunities. They also have, now, like the regional combines in the spring, mm -hmm. um, scouting combines. So there's some of that. You don't just have to. It used to be, I think, in the old days, if you didn't get to one of the bowls and you didn't get to the actual combine, it was like, yep. well, the writing might be on the wall. I think there are a lot more paths now to NFL opportunities. Which is great because just sure. because you didn't happen to, you know, you didn't catch on at Alabama or because you weren't in an SEC, ACC or Big Ten, which is technically now the Big 18 stud or standout doesn't mean that you don't have Sunday talent or can't catch on on a roster and uh, ultimately, you know, showcase that you have professional football talent. Maybe a lot, you know, and maybe this is something where more combines and maybe the NFL will be able to work with the UFL if that's a success this spring and turn into a true feeder and developmental yep. league so that if you're not ready, that you just come out of a smaller school or an HBCU, whatever, and you definitely, you, you want to make football your life. You've got the passion. You think you can get a, be a fifth receiver, a third, a third down back, a special teamer. Maybe you can go and workshop those skills for another year or two, and then one day get your tryout and make some impact. I'd love to see it as well, just because I can't get enough football. But it looked to me like there was. I wish I. I apologize. There's the name Jardavian something or other. This kid had like 1,850 yards, touchdowns galore. Like he was one of the top backs in the country last year. And I know he's playing lower level talent. He's not running into the teeth of the Ohio state or Michigan defense, but like these dudes can play. So it'd be great to see him catch on and get their opportunity. Um, it is officially tag day. Andy today is yeah. the first day of the franchise tag. Uh, as we discussed on terrestrial radio over the weekend, the Patriots have a number of candidates 
that uh, could very well be tagged, as do other teams. So I will ask you a twofold question for your analysis, sir. Number one, do you believe anyone will be tagged on the Patriots and who would it be? And who would you like to see not get tagged elsewhere that the Patriots can get after? So I'll start with the second first, uh, the All not right. tagged. I've been on the T Higgins train for a couple of years now. You know that. Yeah. Um, I think he's, he's the, he said it's getting awkward. It, it is. Um, he's the best opportunity in my mind to take a guy who's a two and say, you know what? You deserve a shot to be a one. And we're going to throw some money at you and believe you're going to elevate your game and elevate our offense and our quarterback, whoever that is. Doesn't seem like it's likely. Sounds like they're trying to keep the band together. I already saw like er, a lot of early Super Bowl predictions, I think, are being built off. Oh, they're going to tag T. Higgins. Joe mm -hmm. Burrow's back. Maybe the Bengals are a Super Bowl contender this year. So I've seen some of those. Um, Bengals, Packers seem or Chiefs, Packers, Bengals, Packers seem to be hot Super Bowl predictions if you're in that early game, which is a little weird since nothing has actually happened yet in the offseason. But one point that they made this morning on Hello, Good Morning, It's Football or whatever the hell I was watching was. Um, you know, the Bengals, because of they finished nine, even though they were nine and eight and like looked damn good enough to be a playoff team to me at the end of the season with Jake Browning at quarterback, as opposed to Joe Burrow, um, they did finish fourth in the, in the AFC North, which means they get a fourth place schedule this year. Oh, and they get Joe Burrow back and they have an S ton of salary cap money and a bunch of draft picks as well. So that's why you should watch out for Ben's gals this year. It's weird when you have a franchise quarterback, things seem to just fall into place. Even when you get hurt, they kind of fall into place. It's the damnedest yeah. thing. Sets a I, tone. I mean, a book it now. I don't know if he, if FanDuel has this as a bet yet. I know you can bet futures for Super Bowl champion. Can I bet on the participants in the AFC championship? Because uh, it's worth a sprinkle to do a Bengals Chiefs run back, right? Uh, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. who knows? You always get injuries or whatever, but um. Yeah, I, well, I think there's, you've now got, uh, I've talked about this and I love it, the four QB rotation. You got Mahomes, you got Burrow, you got Allen, mm -hmm. and you got Lamar. And like, give me any two of those four and I feel like I'll be excited to watch that AFC championship game in January. Um, so to talk about the tag from a Patriots perspective, um, I know there's been a late push by Mike Reese and others that they should tag Kyle Duggar. Um, that leads me to believe that they are being told that there's a chance they tag Kyle Duggar so I think Kyle Duggar is becoming maybe the front runner to get a tag and I think that number's 16 and change um, that's some nice I mean now with Adrian Phillips gone you're not sure what to do with Mapu yeah my problem free is safety. it sets a tone you need a free safety and right. why are you tagging Duggar what exactly is the end game because if you pay him 16 and change this year then he's going to want to raise from that next year when he hits free agency again you're not going to tag him again because you're not going to give him a 25% raise off of that and pay him $20 million next year. If you want Duggar, I, mm -hmm. I you can sell me on you want Duggar. So sign him. Okay. Do a, do, do a deal. Do a four-year, $60 million contract or whatever the hell the number would end up being um, and do a deal. I personally think he's the least um, enticing of the guys I'd want to retain. Uh, I've talked about it with you. It's a big nut to get Hunter Henry on the franchise tag because it's a 25% raise over last year. Um, and I think you got to keep on Wenu. Now, I don't really want to tag him. I want to sign him. Um, but if you do some sort of tagging to delay to give you the opportunity to sign him, you guys aren't quite close enough yet, whatever, I'm for that. But I would go Mike on Wenu is my top priority. Same. Hunter Henry is my second priority. And I can I can take it or leave it with Kyle Duggar, quite honestly. 
Yeah, I know. I it's uh it's funny. I I I want them to like I oh why don't we definitely need first? And then after that, I sort of get into like, yeah, I kind of want Anthony Jennings because he was pretty good last year in a backup sure. role. Oh, I yeah. don't want to overpay for Josh Uche. I, I I haven't seen I don't think he's three down enough for me. And I think the you know, Keon White will help you make Keon White will help you generate the pass rush that you may lose from Uche and his situational work. Duggard be great. I don't think he's worth Jesse Bates money. And if he's going to try to go get top of the market, Derwin James money, best of luck. I draft somebody. I mean, Antoine Winfield's also going to get paid as well. We'll see if he gets tagged or if he gets, uh, I know the Buccaneers have to figure out what they're going to do with Mike Evans and Baker Mayfield and Antoine Winfield. And they don't have the financial latitude. The Patriots do. So you want T Higgins. I understand that. Uh, I want Tyron Smith because I just want, a mountain of humanity at left tackle for a couple of years, draft some tackles, help have them learn, you know, soldier style behind the mat light, if you will. Um, Trent Brown, adios amigo, farewell to you and best, best of luck wherever it is you end up. Um, and I'd get on when imagine if they, if they sign a deal with Onwenu and they bring in Tyron Smith, all of a sudden now you've got 700 pounds of excellent uh, at, at your tackle spot. So whoever's playing quarterback, Andy, whether it's, uh, Jacoby Brissett, Russell Wilson, Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, Bailey Zappi, Mac Jones, Andy Hart, Thomas Stevens, whoever, like they're going to have a chance to make a play and the run game is going to benefit because you've got some dudes out there that can hold their ground. So, um, that's what I is thinking. Um, I did want to ask you this. So it looks like Kirk cousins and the Vikings are at a little bit of a contractual stalemate. Now I know the Patriots are not a team that needs to jump in and get a quarterback immediately to compete this year. Uh, the aspirations of just having a near 500 record should be the peak of what the Patriots hope for this season. Obviously not winning the AFC East, but Hey, who knows? Anything is possible, right? So I'm wondering, uh, I'm wondering, would there be any interest in like, if the Vikings won't give him a fully guaranteed contract and he wants to move on from there, any interest here, or I'm going to ask a crazier question. Let's say Kyle Shanahan's like, you know what? Damn it. That's it. Brock, you're really good, but I think I can get back to the Super Bowl and finally win it with Kirk Cousins. Would you have any interest in maybe calling up the Niners and being like, what would it take to get a shiny little purdy over here in the land of formerly irrelevant in New England? Uh, I would not. Okay. Um, I would not have interest in Kirk Cousins. Too much okay. money, too short term, not ready. That's, you know, to me, yeah. he needs to go somewhere like Matthew Stafford goes to the Rams. Brady goes to the Bucks with the idea like this is a pretty good team. I can put them over the top. And the 49ers obviously make sense there. Mm -hmm. Brock Purdy, to me, I think is a second tier quarterback. And you're certainly not built with the weapons and the opportunities, the playmakers that the 49ers have represented for him the last couple of years. But the name you didn't mention. Oh, some reports out of Tampa that the Bucks may franchise Antoine Winfield and therefore Correct. Baker Mayfield if he's not signed first, because obviously they could just flat out sign the guy to whatever contract they they're working on. But Baker Mayfield could be available. He is the veteran quarterback that I would at least consider, given his background with Elliot Wolf and uh -huh. Alex Van and, Pelt and, AVP, and his right? upside. Now, do I feel great about it? Do I feel like I've just entered the conversation as one of those teams in the AFC with a true franchise quarterback? I do not. But if you're going to sell me on a different plan than taking a quarterback at three, whatever the different plans are, I don't hate the Baker Mayfield plan because when he's on, he's fun to watch. And maybe mm -hmm. Alex Van Pelt is the right guy to have him on more often than not. I also think 
the the travels and trials and tribulations to go three T's, three example style like Bill Belichick and Nick Fitzy Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, we love Baker Mayfield. Yep. Baker Mayfield been through some crap in the NFL, and you know we're coming off a quarterback who went through crap and fell apart, absolutely mm-hmm. turned to a puddle of goo. I think Baker Mayfield might be a guy you could hitch your wagon to and say at the very least he's going to handle himself. He'll 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 keep it together mentally, emotionally, no matter if we bought him out a little bit for not quite ready to rebound and start going the other way. So of the veteran quarterbacks or uh non number 3 overall pick quarterback options, I would listen to the idea of Baker Mayfield. I would too. I would I would love the only thing is like if he's going to cost you know, if he and the Bucks can't come to some sort of agreement and it, he's going to cost like three years, $110 million, like, do you want to spend that much of your money on, do you want to spend that much of the money on Baker Mayfield right away? Like, and is the he, is that doing business? I know it is. It's most definitely the cost of doing business. Um, so I want wanted to cheap, share the draft a guy. If you want cheap draft a guy, if you want to go in a different direction and maybe quicker, whatever, then you're going to have to spend. A lot of, I mean, it's going to be more than that for Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins, North of oh, $40 yeah. million a year. So, and he wants it fully guaranteed as well. What's, um? well, let me real quick just share this. So Mike Cadlick and Rick Stroud, who we've all become familiar with because we got to know Rick because he covered the Bucs and continues to do a good job covering the Bucs um, for the Tampa Bay Times. And he was like the Brady whisperer down there. He was like the the current for Tampa um, for all those years. Brady was there. Um, so he wrote... Antoine Winfield likely candidate to receive franchise tag. Cadlick quote tweets that and says, this would mean Baker Mayfield is set to become an unrestricted free agent in March. Connections like you pointed out with Highsmith, Van Pelt, and Wolf come to the Patriots. Stroud then quote tweets that and says, I wouldn't bet on it. They won't have to use a franchise tag on Baker to sign him to a long-term deal. Both want to get something done in Tampa Bay. So are we just... Sure. But yeah. sometimes you want to get something done and then it doesn't get done. You don't get it done. Right. And then yeah. maybe the guys, maybe the guys at first just looking for leverage, right? That's the other thing. Oh, True. you guys want to, you guys want to nickel and dine me? I'll go visit the Patriots. I'll go visit my old boy, Alex Van Pelt and uh, Elliot Wolf. And then all of a sudden you get here and he's like, huh, I was kind of using this as a leverage play, but I kind of like these guys. And maybe this is a legitimate, play. you know what I mean? Stuff happens. Like we think, mm-hmm. you know, God, you know, we plan and God laughs or whatever kind of thing, but you never yeah. know. Maybe Reggie White, if if God can tell Reggie White to go to Green Bay, maybe he can tell Baker Mayfield to go to New England. Good point. And that was a reasonably successful stop on the Reggie White professional football tour. Absolutely. Just ask uh, just ask Max Lane how that worked out. Yeah, Max is a very nice guy. I mean, no disrespect to Max. He's a he's a solid good. He got his ass kicked. It's not. I mean, it's all there <laughs> it's, for all the. It's world. Reggie White. What are you going to do for right. God's sakes? It's not like he uh, get his ass kicked by you. Like that. No, no, that would be that would be a t- tragic. I mean, maybe on the golf course, but not on the football field. Reggie, um, it is what it is. Jeez, <laughs> R.I.P. Um, and no love. Uh, what about what about the handsome one? What about the two game suspension for James Garoppolo? Um, any interest? Lukewarm um, interest, I guess. Uh, it, I do think they need to add a veteran, a rookie. Whoever those guys are, the the level. I mean, I guess if you add Baker Mayfield, the rookie is a much lower level rookie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would listen to Jimmy Garoppolo, and and there's obviously a connection, like to you know he played with Dante Hightower. Like this organization is aware of what Jimmy Garoppolo represents. Um, 
I wouldn't, it wouldn't excite me. I feel better about Baker Mayfield than the upside. I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo's career has taken a downward turn of late. Brutally, now he's turning brutally. to Brutally. Yeah. <laughs> Kids, uh, stay off the drugs. Uh, handsome Jimmy will tell you. I don't know what the heck he took. Beauty obviously has its price. I'd be curious to see if Mayo and company have the same level of interest that Josh and Belichick did years ago as well. We'll see. I'm all for at least a veteran and a rookie coming through the door. That could be the kind of, who knows, you know, maybe if you sign a Mayfield, then you take a Spencer Rattler in the second or third round or someone else that you can sit on for a year or two at yep. least. And, and, you know, find out if he pans out because you've got a plus level starter coming in as Mayfield showed last year that when you surround him with some talent and competent play calling, Dave Canales is now the head coach of uh, Carolina, for God's sakes, he did such a good job with Baker. Uh, and it helps when you have Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and Rashad White at running back as well. So we shall see. My word, Andy, it's almost an hour's worth of pod right there. The people got their money's worth and then some on this spectacular edition of Six Rings and Football Things. The latest is always the greatest with Fitzy and Hart. Any thoughts, please share them with us. You know the socials at FitzyGFY, at Jumbo Hart, and at Six Rings Pod. Andy and Mike Catholic will be back with a one-off Wednesday coming up in just one day's time. We'll have some more later in the week. And of course, if there are any tags, signings, releases, and more, stay tuned. We could have an emergency pod just like that, like that. That's it. So always stay tuned. Keep your alerts set. Like, share, smash that subscribe, and tell everyone the best community around to talk all things Patriots is Six Rings. For Terp, for Hart, for Fitzy, this has been Six Rings of Football Things. Pleasure as always, everybody. Good day. God bless. Keep in touch. And go Pets. <laughs>